This podcast is recorded in Australia, on the traditional lands of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. I wish to pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging, and give thanks to the knowledge they have shared. Hello and welcome to Moments of Change. My name is Melanie Raymond and I'm a social designer based in Sydney, Australia and currently a director at the Australian Centre for Social Innovation. Moments of Change is a podcast dedicated to exploring the moments that we learn from as we seek to design and cultivate positive social change. In this episode, I speak with Katarina Davis, a Maori design thinker of Ngāti Whātua and Ngāti Hine descent, who works as a senior project lead at Morea Consulting. Katarina lives in Orokai with her two children and is a proud dance mum with a love for kapahaka. Katarina has over 12 years experience in the health sector, primarily as a sexual health educator, health promoter and youth worker. More recently, she was the project lead Māori for Innovation Unit, a global social enterprise that applies disciplined approaches to develop new solutions and create impact at scale. In this episode, we hear about Katarina's passion for ensuring a culturally responsive way of being and working, particularly for the Indigenous people of New Zealand, Nai Māori, and how she combines design thinking methodologies with Māori knowledge to provide leadership and direction to issues facing Māori. I hope you enjoy this episode of Moments of Change. Tuia ki runga, tuia ki raro, tuia ki roto, tuia ki waho. Tuia ki te here tangata karongo te pō, karongo te ao, tēnā koutou katoa. Kei aku nui, kei aku rahi, tēnā koutou. Kia koe e Melanie, tēnā koe, o te rā kia koutou ngā kaiwhakarongo i te pō nei, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou katoa. Ai te taho tōku pāpa, he uri ahau nō te tau u, te uringutu ngā oho, nō reira ko Ngāti Whātua te iwi. I te taho tōku māma, he uri ahau nō te tautokerau, nō reira ko Ngāti Kahu, ko Ngāti Hine, ngā iwi. Ko Katarina Davis, ahau, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā tātou katoa. Katarina, welcome and thank you for the beautiful welcome. Could you tell us a little bit about what you've just said there? Ko tēnā koe, Melanie. So first of all, I opened with a, a karakia and... In our Māori uh, or the Māori world, we open uh, through creating space and intention. A karakia can often also be referred to as prayers, but also can be, as I said, the creation of space, the creation of safety, the creation of connectedness to everything around us. So within that karakia, I spoke to binding everything above us, whatever that might look like for you, everything below us, and especially our relation to land and whenua, everything from and within us, and of course everything that surrounds us and bringing those things together, binding us together as people and moving forward together um, so that the whole world may hear, the universe may hear the intention that we're creating tonight. I also spoke to my lineage and where my tribal connections lay. So 
they lay here in Orake in Tamaki Makoto, Auckland, New Zealand, in a beautiful paradise very close to Auckland City, where we are the Manafenua tribe here, or the host tribe of Auckland City, Natifatua, Orake. And I also spoke to my connections to the north, uh, which is where my mum's from, in Otiria and up in Kenana and Whatafefe up in Ngāti Kahu land in the far north. So it's really important to us that we acknowledge our connections to whenua, to iwi and to our people. Kia ora. Beautiful. Thank you. I'm so grateful for you sharing that learning and knowledge and the welcome that you've provided for us tonight to, to share and to learn. Could you give me a little bit of an overview of, you know, what is your role as a designer and how has your purpose evolved across your career? So I would consider myself a Māori designer. I've been in the space of design since I joined Innovate Change uh, under the leadership of Simon Hajiford here in Aotearoa and Tamaki Makaurau at the beginning of 2016, an absolutely new space for me at that point in time. I had come from working for the Auckland District Health Board uh, for Auckland Sexual Health where I worked in the sexual health and sexuality space for a good 12 years. And I think Mm. within that space, uh, it takes some pretty special people to work there, people who are empathetic, approachable, resilient, able to navigate through systems and connections. So in 2016, I took a leap after taking care of my father who suffered from dementia. After his passing, it kind of opened doors uh, for me and allowed me to take a few more opportunities that were kind of coming my way. And the job with Simon came up. And not only had I always admired him, I it was time for me to take a leap into a new space. And of course, you know, within the heart of design, you kind of work within uncertainty and um, being in the grey and sitting comfortably in ambiguity. Um, I took the leap (laughs) into this really, really new space, a new language. I was trying to learn a new language (laughs) very quickly. Mm. But what I found actually, it was a lot of coming home into this way of working that was very close to who I was or aligned very closely to who I was as a Māori. And why I say that is I think Māori have been designing for generations. We've been taking risks. We've been making collective decisions. We've been working via servant leadership for generations. So design is not a new practice for us. The language is new, of course, but the practices, the methodologies, the ways of working, the pulling on relationships – the building trusted relationships and enduring relationships, creating process that resonates with whānau, that uplifts mana or prestige or respect or power, for lack of a better mm. word. You know, these are all processes and ways of being that we are very used to. And I thought good design really aligned with that. So I felt very much at home. Beautiful. And thank you for sharing. When you were saying there about this new language of design and and how it felt to you like coming home, it's so it's so interesting to reflect on though that you know design has been on this journey, and in particular 
what I've witnessed in sort of social design or service design and and that the sort of social innovation space is actually we're coming back around to really try to open ourselves up as a practice to and deepen our practice to really understand and foreground Indigenous wisdom because, as you say, people have been designing for generations in a way that is deeply cultural and spiritual and relational uh, mm. and respectful. So it's interesting to think about how do you share that with others and other designers to really sort of elevate that depth of practice mm. with other designers? Thank you. It's a really awesome question. And I think there's two sides to this in terms of utilising Indigenous knowledge within a design process. In order to use Indigenous knowledge, or actually as I speak I'll talk about a Te Ao Māori perspective because not all Indigenous knowledge is the same. So from a Māori perspective, if you're using Māori methodologies or Māori values, Māori language, Māori ways of being in your process or in the model that you follow or in the frameworks that you use, you need to ensure that you're then able to articulate how that might better improve outcomes for Māori first and foremost and absolutely for Māori first and foremost. Too many people are using our Indigenous knowledge or our Māori knowledge that is being developed over generations, iterated over generations without a Māori focus on the outcome. Mm. And, you know, these are some of the conversations and some of the arguments and challenges that we're having at the moment in terms of utilising our ways of being um, without the focus on that positive outcomes for Māori, first and foremost. However, I do really think that there's a. it's very important that we're taking maybe the essence of the ways of being that we have and embedding those to better understand how you might engage with Māori better in ways that resonate, in ways that keep them us safe and protect us. Mm. Thank you for, for sharing that. Before we started recording, you were mentioning your role in stewarding cultural competency. Could you share a little bit about what that means to you? So I work for an organisation called Modia Consulting where we run a, a cultural competency training program for organisations here in Aotearoa, especially ones that are engaging with Māori people. And I think the main thing about building organisational cultural competency, cultural competencies within companies, is so that they are better or able to engage with us in the right way and so that they are able to engage with us in a culturally competent way that therefore helps us to meaningfully participate with them in a partnership Mm -hmm. base with a strengthened connection and then enables us to see better outcomes for Māori because the system resonates, because the process resonates, because the models resonate, because the language resonates. So there is a real need for us to build the cultural competency of all organisations, anyone that works for Māori, to ensure that the outcomes are improved and Mm. inequities are decreased. You have shared previously the sort of four pillars that are important in the design 
and engagement with Maori people. Would you like to share those with us today? Sure. So within my practice, I really look to Maori values that I've been brought up with. Hmm. And it's important to note that these values that I speak about and have spoken about in the past are ones that I live and breathe on the daily. I might be stronger in applying some more than others, but the fact is, is that we live and breathe this every single day. It's not just something that I pull out when I'm working on a project, or it's not just something that I pull out when I'm trying to win a project. And it's not just externally focused, it's also internally focused as well. And I think this is a really important point, is that mm. when we're working with informati or utilising these sorts of values, we really need to make sure that they're internal and working amongst your team or whatever project team, the commissioners, any relationships that you hold, rather than just external facing. So when that happens, if you're embedding those on the daily they're just your natural way of being, then it naturally oozes out into the whānau or the families that take part in your process. And they feel uh, the approachability, they feel the empathy, they feel the care and the protection during a process. And if a process is really embedding those values, then it also works for you in the long run where you start to generate buy-in for whatever whatever it is you're designing together. Mm. When you're moving into an implementation phase, you have more people singing your song because of the experience that they've had working with you. And the four values that I'm talking about in particular, and then there's another two that I'll kind of talk to as well. Within these six, there are definitely way more of these sorts of concepts or values, but these are the six that I could focus on in in my design practice. So the first one is whanaungatanga. And I don't think, actually, I believe that good design can't be done without this value. Whanaungatanga talks to your relationships that you build and the connections that you have, the networks that you share. But it's about creating a space where you know that the people in your project team, the people that you're serving, that there's an idea of having one's back. And it's important to note that Within Fanongatanga, these can be really generational relationships, enduring relationships that stand the test of time. And it's not based on creating relationships for the sake of a project. Mm. If you've been practicing Fanongatanga, good Fanongatanga, since before a project, during a project, after a project, then you have those trusted relationships to gain broader reach and therefore have access to much more deeper and richer insights because of your ability to go broader and through relationships that are based on trust. Mm. And the thing with whanaungatanga is it's something that you must participate in. It's something that you must, whatever the relationship is, you must both or must all participate in. So for instance, I live on my papakainga or my place of being um, here in Orake and my closest hundred neighbours are my family. And so you would automatically assume that there's lots of great relationships around here. And there are, absolutely. I've got 
just absolutely surrounded by great relationships and great role models and great support. But they're relationships that you must participate in. And that's mm. really important. So it's really important to be a seen face, especially in a design process. You know, you can't, I think gone are the days of design where you can kind of fly in and fly out where it's a bit more of a consultancy service. It's definitely more of a building of a partnership, building of understanding and building of connectedness between you as the designer and also the people within your team and also the people participating in your process. The second value I'll speak to is around manakitanga. And if you break that word down, there is a word mana, which can mean multiple things, but respect, power, prestige, and akiaki. And basically akiaki is to encourage or to enhance. And so within embedding manakitanga in a process you're really embedding something that encourages people's power it encourages people's prestige it encourages people's respect and the way to do that usually is around is through hospitality so making sure that people feel comfortable people feel warm and people feel valued and they feel welcome but it's also about how we acknowledge people's time bringing food very importantly thinking about the types of spaces that we're holding, workshops or interviews, and whether or not there be things like natural light, accessibility issues, is the language that we use within our frameworks, ones that resonate with the um, people that we're bringing into our research process. Are we taking lots of time without acknowledging people, not necessarily through money, but that would be absolutely ideal. Are we taking time to see how, you know, people's capability might be encouraged throughout your process? So it's really about making sure that there's a real reciprocity going on during mm. your process and during your engagement with whānau and communities. The third one is around kaitiakitanga. So the action that you take within kaitiakitanga is playing the role of a guardian. And usually here in Aotearoa, New Zealand, it's more so to do with natural resource and how are we guardians of our natural resource, in particular whenua or land. In this case, and how I like to talk about it in design, is how do we protect people's voices? How do we protect people's stories? How do we protect mātauranga or long-standing knowledge from generations ago? Rather than taking what we need from that, and then applying it somewhere. Mm. How do we also close the loop? So how do we make sure that everyone is as informed as possible to make sure that they feel like there's closure and there's a real need to close things off? So, And I would say that it's really important to be doing that continuously and consistently. So hearing an interview or hearing some stories or hearing the voice of young people or whoever it is you're talking to, um, making sure that you're going back constantly, is this what I heard and what was I correct in saying this? Because the worst thing that could happen is taking Māori stories and reinterpreting them to fit another culture or to fit another system or another structure. So Mm. it's really about that closing of the loop. The fourth one I like to talk about is ako, and that is 
ongoing cycle of learning. So always placing ourselves in the learning seat and we're there to listen, we're there to learn. And definitely trying to take away that sense of expertise um, so that we can really hear from everybody and they can learn from us as well. So it's about learning from each other. And I think if you embed those well, if you embed those four values, you live and breathe them on the daily, you can achieve two things. And you can achieve a sense of enabling of tenoranga tiratanga or the enabling of agency, the enabling of autonomy and the understanding that our people are able to design for ourselves. And we absolutely have the power to do that, something that has been stripped of us. And with Tenoranga Tiratanga comes a sense of modi order, and a sense of modi order is really living, well-being, like very, very healthy life force that keeps us well. And throughout some processes that I've been a part of as well, and I've seen happen, that isn't the case. And if someone has experienced having a really good experience through a process then they're going to sing your song and actually it will, it will come back to you tenfold and you'll have people that will help you to implement these awesome ideas that have been developed by a collective and to push them forward together because you're only as strong as the collective. Hmm. So in using those values and, and deeply working with those values in yourself and with others to share that through your practice. Can you tell us a little bit about what's that moment of change that you'd like to share with us today where you've seen something that's really started to change for the positive in what you've observed and been a part of? If I can reference a project that I worked with uh, with the innovation unit here in Aotearoa, I was a a project where we were working uh, for the Heart Foundation, sorry, where we were working to understand how we might have tāne Māori or Māori males tested at an earlier age for cardiovascular disease. Mm. It was set up in Te Taitokero, so where I am from, in, in Northland, and where I started to see a real sense of change was when I noticed in a co-design workshop a real sense of a power shift. And I could really feel in a room, a diverse room of Māori men, Māori wahine, and also clinicians, the CEO of the organisation. I felt a real power shift where I felt like the organisation started to really listen to the whānau that we had in that room that day. And that's where I really felt the penny drop and a real sense of belief come over me of the power of good design. Mm. Mm. And what is it that you think, what are the conditions that were created or or nurtured during that time and the space that was created to allow that shift to to naturally occur? I think the shift, the power shift was able to naturally occur because prior to that we had delivered a set of insights and themes that we had developed throughout the discovery phase and the whanau or the families that came in that day read those insights and we walked through them and they were insights that they absolutely could agree with they absolutely resonated with them they could Mm -hmm. think of their own stories and connect their own stories to the insights that we had shared and they were absolutely brought to life 
by what we had delivered. They appreciated the language that was used throughout those insights. They appreciated the connection to our ways of being talked about in those insights. When the whanau or the families came together in that design workshop in Whangarei in Northland, you know, we went through our usual um, processes and protocols, which is quite a usual thing, or hopefully a usual thing here in Aotearoa. So not compromising our processes or our protocols. So making sure that Mm. our people feel safe and settled um, before we jump into the work. The ability and enablement of stories to be told, again, that giving back of autonomy or enabling of autonomy and asking what do you think the solution should be. Um, So creating that space for that to take place. And then again, when delivering those thoughts or those ideas back to the organisation, not compromising those ideas through reinterpretation, Mm. through trying to fit those stories and those thoughts and concepts into a jar or into a specific container that often we're given by a mainstream organisation. You know, you've worked with obviously a number of organisations in this space. How do you deal with the the rub that is created between those types of organisational structures and ways of thinking and um, frameworks that are impressed upon those situations and working with Māori communities to create really authentic experiences and, and moments and sort of going back to the there are sort of time limitations and structures and processes sometimes imposed upon you that you don't often have a say in as well. How do you work with that sort of tension mm. in your practice? I think it's, well, particularly in a in a procurement system, I think that Māori need to be a part of that design process right from the very beginning mm. where the, the timelines, the project plans, the management of the project are designed with Māori in heart, with Māori at the table, um, not brought into a process after that part has been developed. It's really important for me to be a part of a process right from the beginning and not brought into a project after the fact because that is where things start to go wrong. So, Katarina, we're coming almost to the end of the show. And I wanted to ask you, you know, it's been a, a hell of a year. What are those learnings that you're taking with you now as we close out the year and, and you look towards the future and your mission moving forward? Mm, I think, first of all, like you say, it's been a hell of a year. Actually, 2020 has been quite an awesome year for me. <laughs> Challenging <laughs> and awesome. I think really what's shone through for me is the way that we here in Orake and many Māori in New Zealand really embodied and applied the four values that I, I spoke about earlier. And that's what got a lot of us through. Mm-hmm. So everything with COVID or the lockdowns. Of course, up here in Orake, we were in a a very awesome position, being connected to our land here, being connected to our closest, some of our closest whānau and really have that sense of community and support. Moving into the future in terms of design, 
my mission is still the same at the moment. You know, there aren't as many Māori designers as would be ideal. And what that means is there's a real lack of creating processes and systems that resonate with our people because currently the systems that we're working within are built on common sense that isn't ours. So there's a real need to build, increase the number of Māori designers so that we can continue to build on the work that's happening already, continue to work from our way of being, continue to create new and better solutions with our our whānau and our communities uh, to better uh, to create better outcomes for Māori first and foremost so I think that's going to be my mission for a while is building more Māori designers and more Indigenous designers across the world. Beautiful well I wish you very good luck on that mission it sounds a very important one thank you for joining us on Moments of Change. Thank you so much Melanie. So there you have it. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. And if you would like to be a part of the conversation or the community, hop on over to thisishcd.com where you can request to join the Slack community and help shape future episodes, connect with other designers around the world and join the newsletter where you can win books and get updates. Subscribe to content on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and listen to any of our other podcasts, such as Getting Started in Design and Bringing Design Closer with Jerry Scullion, Power of Ten with Andy Pillane, Decoding Culture with Dr. John Curran, ProdPod with Adrian Tan, Ethnopod with Jay Husbrook, Moments of Change with myself, Melanie Raymond, and Talking Shop, our community podcast. 